Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. This is wonderful. Welcome to Wonderful. This is it. You've made it here. Um, hopefully you didn't get lost. I know the directions we give people are a little arcane. Um, We're like, go where it feels right. Yes. And then turn into your joy. Right. So, And then stop at the... The anger. When you reach anger, you definitely have gone too far. And and do a U-turn. Although sometimes I've noticed that podcasts and radio shows, people like it when they piss them off a little bit. Have you Who's noticed they? That? What are you? you know, like people who listen to radio and podcasts, like they like to get riled up and pissed off a little bit when you say stuff like that. The listeners do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Our listeners all the time are always talking about like, I wish you guys pissed us off more and razzed us more. Um, and pissed us off more. And so maybe that could be like a new a paint that we paint with on our canvas. Of Like, love. hey, jerk. That's, that's I, I not, get, that sounds right to me. Okay, yeah. Sure. yeah. I, I didn't know if we were supposed to take like, like have like hot takes on things that we liked, you no, know? No, I mean, I think we, I, we don't taint, change the content of the show or of our hearts or of our character. Uh-huh. But I do think we frame things like, what's up? Today we're talking about laser tag. Isn't that fun? You jerk at home. <laughs> well, okay. no, I don't think you would say you jerk at home. Okay. Because that sounds more like a. Or we an could do more like, hey, we really like laser tag, and everyone that doesn't is an idiot. Oh, that could be. Uh, <laughs> that feels like it changes the message. I'm not about the message changing, I'm about the messenger. Do you know, do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? Because I don't, and I. Would, yeah, I no, you lost me. Do you have any small wonders? Um, can you go first? No, because I don't, I can't, I don't think of one. It's a real standoff Mm -hmm. we got here. I'm going to say it's rare, but when you do have a pleasant airplane neighbor encounter, uh, that's always very Oh, did this happen to you? Yeah. On one of the flights on this tour that we were on, I think it was, we were flying from San Jose to Denver. I was sat next to... Uh, Wait, you guys didn't sit next to each other? No, we did. We didn't. We were just sort of scattered <laughs> hither, and, hither and yon. Okay. Um, but I was sitting next to this older man, and I was playing uh, video games on my Steam Deck next to him. And when I kind of finished, he tapped me on the shoulder and was like, "What's the uh, thumbstick fidelity like on those things?" And I was like, "Whoa, I don't know how to <laughs> answer that." And I'm pretty deep in the scene. And he was like, "What kind of graphics card does it use?" And I was like, I don't, I don't actually know. I'm not really great with stuff like that. That's why I bought the Steam Deck because it kind of handles that stuff for you. And then we got into a conversation, and he was a pretty hardcore PC gamer. Whoa. He like knew a lot about uh, that, that kind of stuff. We don't play, uh, you know, our paths haven't crossed on the battlefield. Uh, he plays a lot. You of didn't old. exchange tags. We didn't trade tags. Mm-hmm. No, we didn't. Um, but it was nice. It was unexpected. I, you know, everyone's a gamer now in 2023, but I, I wasn't expecting. This gentleman, just sort of by the way he was, uh, by the way he comported himself, to have like feelings about like you know the Nvidia forty eighty Ti series. Or whatever. <laughs> um, it was fun. It was a fun. It was a nice little encounter. People, the I think Dad mentioned because Dad was sitting behind me. Like it seemed like you had a nice talk with the guy next <laughs> to you on the plane. Like, yeah, I did. Um. Okay, I'm going to bring up a small wonder that I came up with. So it's going to sound a little bit like a brag, but okay. um, I'm proud of it. Uh, so when Griffin left town, um, one thing I was worried about is bedtime because Henry's 
bedtime routine pretty much revolves around Griffin. That's just kind of the way it's shaken out since Gus was born. Yeah. And so I had this idea that anytime Griffin leaves town, if he can record just like a 30 second video for Henry and we'd have a new one each night to show up bedtime. And right. it was a huge success. Yeah, sure. It was like, it was nice for both of us because like he had something to look forward to and it kind of like allowed him to connect with you before bed in a way that he would typically. Um, and it gave me some comfort too, because I knew that like, we couldn't call you. Like yeah, if he sure. was like, there was one, there was one time when you left town when he kind of put up a, like a protest and we basically hung out until Griffin finished his show so we could call him. And I was like, well, we can't do that again. No, that was right. Cause he was up until like 10 o'clock at night. Um, but this video thing worked great, and yeah. I thought it was it was a good idea on my part. It was and, a great idea on your and part. And I would recommend it to anybody else who has a uh, partner that travels. Mm -hmm. um, just have them make a little video. I do feel self-conscious every time I do one of those videos because I don't know exactly what kind of game to spit. Like... I just told you, like, stay positive. Yeah. If you like, if you if you miss him too much or get like a little too maudlin, it makes him sad. Yeah. But if you're just like, hey, let's dream about this crazy thing, and yeah. I can't wait till we get back and I can do X, you know, then yeah. like that, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you. I was able to help in some way. Yeah. I always yeah. feel so 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 bad whenever I'm not there. And yeah. I mean, this was a tough one. Um. Because you were gone for a long time, but like, yeah, and we, we did sick. it. it was, yeah, it was a whole mess. We did it, but we did it. We're we did here it. On the other end. You go first this week. Cool. What do you got? The thing I have this week was kind of tricky to research because I didn't find like the helpful, you know, like beefy article about it. You know how it's like nice to have like one really good, like you know, New York Times article to hang your hat on. Yes. Uh, so I didn't find that. But what I wanted to talk about was the live studio audience. Okay, yeah. Um, this is something that has always had a lot of like like mystery to me. Sure. And seemed super cool, you know, because I've never been to like a taping of anything. You're talking about sort of in the in the uh, like sitcom tradition. Yeah, or okay. like talk show or game show. Right. Have you ever been to like a taping of anything? No, I went to, um, wait, is that true? I may have. Nothing springs to mind immediately. I did tour like the studios at Nickelodeon Studios in Orlando, Florida, where they made some shows. Oh, you know what? what? Um, did At Midnight have a live studio audience? Do you remember? Yes, but I was in that. So that well, was Yeah, but I'm, I mean, what was that? What was that like? Did uncomfortable. <laughs> I didn't care for it. <laughs> um, yeah, I have known people that have gone to tapings of shows. Um, it's surprisingly accessible to do. Sure, if you live in New York or LA or places where they Yeah, there's shows. this website called One Iota. Um, and you can just, they like list things that are upcoming. So you, And you just like click on like Jimmy Kimmel Live and then it'll give you a calendar and then you pick the day and you say request tickets. I will say with the WGA strike that has just gone into effect, I will imagine that it will be tougher to get into one of those This events. website is also where I found out where they're doing a Frasier reboot. Did you know about this? I feel like I didn't learn that. There was like- a, I knew it like in my 
DNA, like in my DNA. <laughs> but I was researching yesterday, like it's a little website and has little stills and you you click on it. And there was one for Frasier and I was like, what? And I clicked on it and it was just like, Frasier's Sold back. Sold out through 2030. Yeah, well, now the icon's gone. So <laughs> I don't know what happened. Again, I do believe that the writer's <laughs> strike is going to affect Frasier. True. I mean, the rest of the shows are on here, but. Unless it is an experimental live improvisational theater experience. Uh, of Frasier, which sounds cool, like an immersive, you show up, you're uh, in the Oh, Seattle you're Frasier now. You're Frasier now. That's cool. <laughs> Everybody wears, there's like 30 people at a time that go in. Everybody wears Frasier masks. Uh-huh. And you go in and you have to like figure out who the real Frasier is. Oh my God. And maybe God. someone gets killed at some point. You're launched out of uh, his dad's recliner into yes. a pit of coffee. Whoa. Because that they do that. Yeah, they drink a lot of co- a lot of Joe on that show. Yeah, and and then you have to swing from a, a long necktie. Um, oh wow! Into with the, your hands, though, right? Uh huh. Okay, yeah. Into the embrace of a Niles. Right. Any Nile. Any Niles. <laughs> There's a lot of Nileses there too. Can't get David Hyde Pierce probably for this for this when you when, no i'm saying when you enter you either get a fraser mask or a niles mask oh cool and you have to like find oh that's cool <laughs> and you have to find your counterpart that's great i like this should we stop recording and we work, should probably work on stop this? recording and work on this yeah <laughs> um just real quick what would we call this experience mm. I wish you wouldn't put me on the spot. I like know. This. Sometimes it really pays off, though. This is not going to be one of those times. I mean, it's it's like toss salad and... That's the obvious thing, but there's... You wanted was, to do something like phrase experience or like um, I'm I'm listening and you are too. I, there's give, options. Give me to the end of the show. Like, if I could just have to the end of the show, you know, I'm not going to be dialed in for the rest of the episode, though, unfortunately, even during my own bit. I'm going to have like de- like half my mind. Well, and up. also the pro- you're working at a disadvantage here because you've never watched Frasier. Huge issue for me. Okay. So most early radio shows, like before there was television, there were radio programs. Most of them had audiences. So the right. idea of like listening or enjoying a program with a live audience was not unfamiliar. But the first television show to do it was I Love Lucy. Oh, really? Yeah, they they started doing the multi-camera setup. And I guess Desi Arnaz was real instrumental in making this happen. And so it was like, you know, they had they had different angles and people could perform it more like a stage play and people could watch and react. And, and that was kind of what jump-started it. Um, I've for, never thought about that specifically for the sitcom. I will right. say I've never thought about someone doing that first. That must be that must have been a wild experience to be like, okay, so we're gonna go out there and we're gonna make the television show, and people are going to watch and laugh and cheer or boo. Do you think they even had the applause sign yet, or you think after the first taping they're like, we have to show them when to laugh and clap, please? I have to imagine they did. Okay. Um, this around this time, probably unsurprisingly, is when they developed the laugh track, right? <laughs> Which was if you know if people didn't laugh enough, um, there was a CBS sound engineer that developed a machine full of taped laugh tracks that he could use to dub over the actual audience reaction. Damn. That must that job must really drive you bonkers to just like sit 
in a sound booth listening to different l- types of human laughter all day uh-huh. as you get on the ones and twos and try to mix together something that sounds like a pro. How do you decide like, okay, so that that joke right there, that's a seven. We're going to press a seven on that. Uh-huh. Nothing too wild, but like they must have like a big red button on the Big Bang Theory that just says Bazinga on it that like detonates <laughs> like the hardest laughter that exists. It's funny that you talk about that. That kept coming up a lot because that was one of the like few remaining sitcoms that still used uh, a live audience. Was it, was Bazinga? Was not Bazinga? What if the show was just called Bazinga? <laughs> that would probably pull in more viewers. And honestly. his catchphrase was the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> that show ended in 2019, which I didn't realize, but yeah, it was sure. it was still using like a live audience. Yeah. Although they did. They did do a little sweetening of the pot, apparently. Yeah, I remember seeing clips of how it ended with a new Big Bang, like, happening. And it was, like, sort of, like, this universe's time coming to a close. And then, like, they were that sort of the last remnants of life before sort of the heat death of the universe. And it all collapsed back in to make, like, another bazinga. (laughs) And it was, like, very, like, uh, it was, like, 2001 Space Odyssey, very, like... And uh, then young Sheldon was born out of a pod. Young Sheldon came out (laughs) of the event horizon. (laughs) This episode's getting weird, huh? Yeah, man. (laughs) Um... Okay, so the live studio audience. So this was really big when we were kids. I was thinking a lot about the shows like the shows that like parents didn't like their kids watching specifically. And it was easy to identify them because there was always a lot of like, ooh. Okay. So like a married with children. Yeah. Yeah. Or Saved by the Bell. I remember if I was watching Saved by the Bell, I would always turn the volume down because as soon as that loud woo would happen, it was like a signal to my parents. (laughs) Okay. But you must understand this is a, this is not a universal, like my parents had no beef with Zach Morris and his cadre. It, It was not like they were, upset with the content they were more disappointed in my interest oh rachel (laughs) because the show itself objectively not good but as a young person listen to you listen to 2023 rachel looking back (laughs) at 1992 rachel and just raising lifting her nose up as a young person it felt like a window into high school and it was very exciting to think that this might be what high school was like if only i know jesus but the loud woos whenever there was a kiss or whenever an attractive person was on screen yeah was was really like i mean it was bracing to hear that woo this is very funny to me because I don't possess that hang up about the woo sound that is made on TV shows. And I feel like you have, maybe without even knowing it, thrown open the saloon doors into your soul and <laughs> life and history and upbringing that you lived in fear of the this loud woo, loud sound <laughs> that is a sort of sympathetic response to exhibitions of intimacy on television <laughs> shows. Wow, we are really cracking this wide Maybe open. Maybe we are a little bit. I was also thinking of like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air I think is all time probably best live studio audience yeah. experience. Well, I, you know, I was reading about it and I remember this because we did of course watch the reunion special. Right. Um, was that they would do a lot of performing in between takes. Sure, yeah. Like to keep the audience hype. It apparently was filmed on like Friday night. Yeah. And like, you know, there are a lot of performers on stage, like singers and dancers, and, and they would go for it. I love 
uh, and I don't know why I've seen as many of these as I have, but like footage from the last night of taping of like a finale of a Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or a Friends. I remember I watched one for uh, Growing Pains once, a show with which I, I for which I had very little affinity, uh-huh. but just seeing like, you know, uh, all that squad. Uh, why can't I not? Kirk Cameron and, uh, oh shit. Alan Thick. Alan Thick. God, I can't believe I couldn't remember his name. Uh, just uh, having a tearful goodbye to the audience is always very powerful. I know. Yeah, so the thing that I thought was interesting, I found a lot of like people writing individual articles about their experience on a taping. Mm-hmm. Um, one came from a 2015 Slate article um, and they talk about how they went to tapings of every late night show. Um, so like late night talk show. Right. Um, and they talk about the process of being an audience member and how you like you stand in line and then you get a wristband and then you come back and then you, you're put in a room and you're in the room for a while. And then you are brought into the actual studio and there's like a warm up process with like a warm up comedian which is not something I ever really knew about yeah. until recently. But the, like a comedian comes out and like apparently just like gets you like- That's pretty standard protocol. Ready for, to laugh. Yeah, for, for a late night show. What a what a stressful like job that must be. I know, I know. Well, and, and, and then there's some guidance on like applauding and laughing and they like tell you what to expect and what to do. If you could, sorry to derail this, but if you could- attend a live taping of any television show throughout history that has off the air, uh, still on the air, if there's one show that you could have attended in in person, what would it have been? It, does it have to be a show that it had an audience? Or yeah. can it be any show? Yes, my love. It would be fucking bonkers <laughs> if you were like, I wish I was in the audience for Succession. Um, <laughs> well, you're making up this premise. There could be any rule. Just saying it would be great if there was like two characters kiss on Succession and then in the background you just hear Rachel's disembodied voice like, woo! <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you you are putting me on the spot. I don't... I don't... How's it feel? Doesn't feel good, does it? No, it doesn't. I still don't think of, I don't have a name for the live Fraser experience. I mean, you would really have to know more about Fraser, right? Gosh, now that's what I'm thinking about again. Um, okay, so the, here's the thing about that time period: like, there were a lot of shows that had the live audience. Right. A lot of them don't really hold up. No. I mean, my instinct, if I'm honest is to say Seinfeld, which I know is not like one of your favorite shows, but was like a very important show, I think, for my family anyway, when I was growing up. Did that have a live? Yeah. It did? I just don't think, I I, I guess I just always assumed it was not a live, I thought it was just a laugh track sort of solely. No, there's a live audience. Uh, I would say Conan, like old, old. Oh, I didn't know talk shows were on the table. Oh, yeah, sure. I thought it was just sitcoms. Oh, no, no. Yeah, no, I would have loved to go to Conan. Yeah, that's the best. Or Saturday Night Live. Yeah, it depends on the, yeah, I guess if you pick a specific era. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing I thought was interesting. I was reading a lot and I kept coming across Friends because, of course, that was a huge deal. And each episode typically took up to six hours of filming. Because they would redo takes and change the script and and like people would be given sandwiches because they were asked to like stay there the whole time. 
So they would have that's wild up to like three hundred people sitting in the audience. And like they would change the sets, and that would take twenty minutes. Jesus and, Christ! You yeah. got to think round hour six. I know when Ross says that joke. Uh huh. The fifteenth time. I it's know. Hard to probably gin up a good giggle out of that one. Um, I was also reading. Uh, Frommers had an uh like a testimonial from somebody who went to a a Will and Grace taping. Oh, I bet that was wild. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah, it was the same kind of thing, like six to seven hours um of of sitting there and watching them like make changes and do it again and not being allowed to look at your phones yeah. or anything. God darn it, Greg, I bet tore it up. <laughs> Um, so all of this kind of dissipated in the 2000s. Um, this is when like The Office, 30 Rock, yeah. Parks and Rec, like this kind of more documentary style show or single camera yeah. that just didn't have a live audience. There was a, more of a like a trust in the viewer to know when to laugh and that the, that laughing wasn't required. I remember when Malcolm in the Middle came out. It was so yeah. jarring. Like, why is nobody laughing at Brian Cranston's great jokes? Yeah, Malcolm in the Middle, Scrubs. Um, Life with Chris, I think, was in that same sort of yeah, era. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, and and it was just kind of like a, a, a shift away. And so yeah. now, like, as of a couple years ago, there's, like, not many yeah. left. But, of course, talk shows still. During the pandemic, like, nobody had an audience. And right. that was interesting to watch. Um, Man, we're about to get into that. I mean, it, I don't know what the plans are, but like during the first writer's strike, the way that talk show kind of weirdly zombified around that uh, that that event was yeah. wild. I saw a clip yesterday that I had forgotten about, but it was Conan just spinning his wedding ring on the desk. Did you ever see this clip? No. He would just spin his wedding ring on his desk and people would just like cheer as they watched the wedding ring spin because there was no <laughs> writer's room to speak of. Uh, wow. Yeah. Anyway, that's a great topic. And it does make me wish I had ever attended something like that. I know. Yeah, I think, I mean, six, seven hours. No, no, no thank you. Absolutely not. Um, But I'm always, you know, I was like one of those people, I get the DVD and I would watch the behind the scenes sure. and the bloopers and, and whatever. And, and so I'm always interested in that kind of stuff. I think it would be cool. Yeah. Uh, can I show you away? Yes. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people, you you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible 
that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? Is <laughs> factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. The following pro wrestling contest is scheduled for one fall. Making their way to the ring from the Tights and Fights podcast are the baddest trio of audio, the hair to beware, Danielle Radford. It really is great hair. The Brit with a permit to hit, Lindsay Kell. The queen is dead. Long live the queen. And the fast-talking, fist-clocking Hal Uplin. See, I can wrestle and be an announcer. Get ready for tights and fights. Listen every Saturday or face the pain. Find us on Maximum Fun. Now ring the bell. Hey, when you listen to podcasts, it really just comes down to whether or not you like the sound of everyone's voices. My voice is one of the sounds you'll hear on the podcast Dr. Game Show. And this is the voice of co-host and fearless leader Joe Firestone. This is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners and we play them with callers over Zoom we've never spoken to in our lives. So that is basically the concept of this show. Pretty chill. So take it or leave it, bucko. And here's what some of the listeners have to say. It's funny, wholesome, and it never fails to make me smile. I just started listening and I'm already binging it. I haven't laughed this hard in ages. I wish I'd discovered it sooner. You can find Dr. Game Show on MaximumFun.org. Can I talk about my thing? Yeah. Wow. (laughs) What happened there? Still trying to think of a name for the Fraser experience. Let's pause. I don't think it's there, babe. The coffee shop they went to was called Cafe Nervosa. The, the fact that you know that is... I watched Frasier. Uh, it took place in Seattle. I know. Yes. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm putting out, you know, Feelers, w- yeah. opportunities for you to latch on to something. Okay. Crane, Crane was the last name. Crane was the last name. Martin Frasier Niles. Maris Daphne. The dog's name was Eddie. Yeah. There was a chair. 
<laughs> There's nothing funny about this. He it's- had a, he used to say, I'm listening. I don't remember what his show was called. His little radio show. It was a Cheers spinoff. Uh-huh. Listeners, I don't tweet at us because we're not really active on Twitter anymore. Um, but we're open to suggestions for this great new idea we have. That we can't come up with a name for. I'm, no, I'm saying that that we could, you know, write in wonderfulpodcast at gmail.com. What if it's just something like Inside Fraser Crane? Inside Fraser. Yeah, I mean, that's not funny. Deep but... Inside Fraser. <laughs> what if we call it Get Deep Inside Fraser? Get Deep Inside Fraser. And then it's like a being John Malkovich type thing. Oh, you crawl in, you open a little door, and then you're yeah. inside Fraser. But I really liked our idea with the Fraser masks and the Niles masks, and you had to find... No, everyone would still be... You could still do that. But you would crawl in a door. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's your topic? Sports. <laughs> Talking about getting a hole in one. In yeah, college. okay. Did you watch the video that I sent I did you? watch okay. the video. I was confused as to what I was watching because it did not appear to be like a golf game. It appeared to be more like a skills competition. No, it was a golf. It was a it golf was? tournament. Yeah, it was so rowdy. I assumed it was, it was very like a- rowdy. Uh, I, let me preface this by saying that I am not like a golf watcher. No, uh, and you've barely, only I've played yeah. golf like three times in my life, and I do like it. I do think it it is it, when you if you can sort of divorce it from the culture of golf, hitting a ball with a club and seeing it go a long way and trying to get it in a small hole. It's pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. And arguably, it's pretty fun. Um, but I don't seek out golf experiences in my personal life. But the existence of the hole in one is is pretty wonderful to me. Uh, this is inspired by a clip that I sent to Rachel. Uh, happened like a week ago. There was an American golfer named uh, Chase Koepka who was competing in an Australian golf tournament called LIV. Uh, and it was just at this course in Adelaide, and he takes his shot, and boom, goes right in. And this crowd of rowdy Australian golfing fans pops off in a way that I did not know was possible for professional golf. I found myself thinking a lot about, like, is this the standard response? Is this how you do Or it? did one person get excited and throw something on the course and so, everybody was like, that's a great idea. What's great is everybody throws their beers at the golf, like, they're plastic cups of beer, <laughs> not bottles. It's not Roadhouse, but everybody <laughs> had these plastic cups of beer and just as soon as it goes in, Everybody just fucking chucks it, just launches their beer. And so now the course is covered in plastic cups and the dude is soaking wet with beer. And it's not like, uh, you know, a tape, a live taping of like the man show or something like that. Like by all (laughs) appearances, like it's a golf tournament, like a golf. Well, it made me wonder, like, did people have to go after him? Like the cleanup must have taken a cleanup must have been pretty bad. Yeah, this was hole 12. So it's not like this was the last hole and the last (laughs) one to do it. And they're like, yeah, let's trash this, you know, wedding dress. Uh, it just turns into fucking bedlam, and it's it's someone rips their shirt off and starts swinging it around <laughs> yeah. in the crowd. Uh, That's why I assumed it was like a skills competition because it seemed like this is not a golf game, like this is a party. Maybe that's just how they do it at this particular golf tournament, but um, no, it appears to have just been a, a a game of golf. What it what's really fun about a hole in one to me conceptually is it is. Like, without a doubt, it is by definition the best you can do in a single hole in golf, right? 
Uh, and when you compare it to other similar sorts of big wins in other sports, like nothing else in my mind really compares, right? Like a grand slam in baseball, a walk-off grand slam, very exciting. But that happens somewhat frequently, right? Like you you see those, you know, in all the time. Uh, when somebody like returns a kickoff for a touchdown, runs, you know, a hundred yards and scores a touchdown. That's exciting. It's thrilling. It's great. But I, you also see it happen with regularity. Um, yeah. But there's an organization called the National Hole in One Registry, which as far as I can tell, just lets players of any level uh, who score a hole in one uh, register that hole in one online, what course they were on, what hole oh, they were on, what club they used, what kind of yardage it, it was. And then you can buy like a commemorative certificate for your hole in one, which I personally think is a, I had the same response of that's adorable. Yeah. I'm sure there's also a hundred of these organizations that are like, you can get a commemorative plate uh, with your face on it and <laughs> you can get a special box that will hold your special ball and it's it will cost you two hundred dollars. Yeah, that for you sure. will send to us, but then everybody will know forever that you did a good job at golf this one time. That would be great to like walk into an office and somebody has like their degrees on the wall, uh-huh. and then right next to it is, is their hole in one plaque. registry. Um, so according to this registry, the odds of an average golfer uh, acing a hole, getting a hole in one, are twelve thousand five hundred to one, which seems very specific to the point where it's made up. Um, pro golfers, they say the number is 3,000 to 1, which also seems made up. But more concrete is, on average, most courses on Earth uh, report 10 to 15 holes in one per year. Wow. Which is not not a lot. Um, one sort of fun fact, your, your handicap in golf is sort of like your uh, like ELO chess rating. Uh, that is like a measurement of your general skill level at golf. It is basically like, on average, how far above par you shoot. Um, And so the average handicap of a a golfer who scores a hole-in-one is 14, which is pretty middle of the road. That means like, on average, you score 14 above par on a course, which is not great. That's like not what a, a pro golfer does. What that basically translates to is it's pretty random who is scoring holes in one like obviously you need to know how to hit how to drive the ball forward and hit it forward and hit it hard enough for it to make its way towards that general area but beyond that it's not like you have to be fucking incredible at golf to score a hole in one it is it there's a huge element of randomness of yeah. how the ball bounces how the wind carries it just anybody you know, with a, a, a limited amount of golfing skill, could be eligible to score a hole. True, in yeah. And I love that. I love that. The, will it ever happen for me? No, probably not. Because <laughs> I'm not very good at driving. Uh, do I aspire to score a hole in one? No, not really. Um, because that would statistically, law of large numbers, I would have to play more golf than I care to. Um, well, you know what's interesting is like, unlike bowling a perfect game, yeah, like you are far away from that hole. You're very, very far. So you're like seeing it on a screen. So there's something about that of like, like a surrealness to it yeah. of just like, I know that that's my ball, but my eyes could not perceive that right. in person. And you get a microcosm of that from mini golf, right? Like 
for me, I love mini golf. We were watching uh, Married at First Sight, and they're in Gatlinburg. So, of course, like, there's, like, a mini golf date that they go on because Gatlinburg is just, like, I don't, in my mind, the mini golf capital of the world. <laughs> um, and when you hit the ball and then you can't see where it goes and you're like, where's my ball? And then you look in the hole and you're like, oh, shit, I got a hole in one. Yeah. That's exciting. But it's probably not as exciting as when you hit it, you know. 250 yards yeah uh that seems like a right amount of yards that does seem like a good amount of yards so okay <laughs> there is a there is i i think i'm talking about this because i'm more fascinated by this the existence of this incredibly rare feat of this like statistical anomaly that ordinary people can one day find themselves you know the the recipient of um uh, but it is also a sliding scale based on how big the the course is and how far off you know the the green is from the tee. Uh, on a, usually on a par three is when you see most holes in one. That's sort of the basic starting huh, par okay. for like a, a on a on a regular size golf course. Yeah, that gives you a, you know one shot to drive it pretty far, one shot to get it on the green, and then one putt to make it in the hole. That's what a par three just yeah right? makes sense. So usually. You know, you drive it really fucking far and it just happens to bounce in a silly way and it goes in the hole and you get a hole in one. When you're two under par, that's called an eagle. Yeah. I love bird names in golf. That's very, very fun. But on a par four, uh, a hole in one is called a double eagle or an albatross. Oh. Because you're three under par. And yeah. it's way rarer because, you know, it's such a longer distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On a par five, if you score a hole in one, you are four under par and it's called a condor and a condor <laughs> has only happened five times in official recorded golf history wow because it's such a huge amount of space and it usually yeah. involves some freak a, a squall of wind it lands on a yeah. bird's back and rolls <laughs> off and tumbles uh -huh. down a you know it, it hits the bumper of a car and bounces off it's like some real like happy gilmore slapstick level uh twist of fate the thing that happens, and it's only happened a small number of times. Uh, in 2012, there was a 59-year-old Florida woman who scored two holes in one in the same round of golf, which according to this hole-in-one registry, uh, only has a one in 67 million chance of ever happening. That's fun. Just this 59-year-old Florida woman, not a pro golfer, just was just like on a trip with yeah. some, uh, she like works at a college and was on a trip with some of her coworkers playing golf and then scored two holes in one. And everybody was like, holy shit. Wow. I read this interview with her where like she almost got a third one. And at that point she was like, yeah, I mean, after you score two, you're like off the planet. Like anything's, <laughs> after th the third one just kind of makes sense after that, after you've already scored two holes in one. Um, I just, I, I obviously will never experience anything like this. Um, but I do just find it very fascinating that it exists. And then I also find it uh, adorable when like, you know, I just, a just like an old man is like, this is the best day of my whole life yeah. and I'm going to frame this ball forever. Yeah. Uh, I think that that is lovely and kind of incomparable in all of sports. Yeah. If you can find this clip of this man scoring, uh, get, getting a hole in one, at this Australian golf tournament. It really is, uh, it is a delight to see how very excited people get to witness a, a whole <laughs> I have to imagine that even that is is, is a rarity. <laughs>
that's it for the show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Bowen and Augustus for these for our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode. What did our listeners write in? I'm so glad that you've asked that because I have it pulled up right here on my phone. Definitely. Uh, Logan says, uh, my small wonder is finding a song with a beat that perfectly fits your walking speed. Mine recently have been Don't You Forget About Me and Got Weird by Doty. Uh, extremely satisfying addition to my walk to and from the Metro. That is the best. Sometimes I do catch myself if I feel like I'm getting close, like trying to change my own. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, this is equivalent to like the turn signal click, uh, lining up with a song. I've always wondered if there's like a BPM for the turn signal that is standardized. Oh, I have to imagine. No, but uh, I do know that when you are looking for playlists for like fitness, you can like put the the running time or the pace that you want and you oh, can that's find interesting. music by the pace. Yeah. Uh, here's one from Kai who says, Pearl Couscous is wonderful. It's like Dippin' Dots, but for pasta. That's very strong. <laughs> I do uh, like a couscous. I do. I Yeah. I like some couscous. Okay. It has to be... <laughs> It has to be, I feel like I've had a lot of mushy couscous. Yeah, it's got to be fluffy. I've had too much mushy couscous. I've had too much mushy couscous. Why can't I say mushy couscous? Why can't I say mushy couscous? Yeah, you've got to separate a little bit. Mushy couscous. I'm done. Thanks for listening so much. Can I run two by you right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think crane. I think there's something with crane. Yeah, I think so too. So I was either thinking like the crane game, like, you know, like, oh, that could be cool. like, you know, where you would win a toy kind of thing or like our crane instead of arcade. Something, something with crane. Say it again. Our crane. A.R. Crane. No. Or the crane game. What about the crane game? The crane game is good. It's powerful. I hadn't thought about it as being as, as gamifying this live Fraser theater experience. It feels that way to me. Yeah, sure. No, I think definitely there is there. There's there could something be, there. Um, maybe we tie like flag football into it. Like you have like if somebody snatches your necktie off your neck, <laughs> you get kicked. You you lose. You're dead or whatever. Mm-hmm. And maybe we do. Maybe it is a death game. And if you do get your yes. necktie taken away from you, you die. You die in real life. Um, that could be and yes, you, and you, it's a million dollars a ticket. Yeah, only the world. I mean, people love Squid Games. So. Squid Games is huge right now, and people love Frasier. And people love Frasier. So maybe we just call it Frasier Squid Games. <laughs> Frasier Squid Games could be it. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Uh, go to uh, maximumfun.org. Check out all the shows that they got there. Uh, we have merch, new merch here in the month of May. Got some beautiful uh, now jeans for you if you go to macro. Yeah, check those out. And um, got some live shows coming up here in a couple weeks from Bim Bam and uh, Taz coming to Columbus and Milwaukee. Uh, and we got some some more shows coming up later on in the year. So if you go to macroy.family, you can find links to all those too. That's it. That's it. We'll see you in the Fraser Crane games. Watch your, protect your neck.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.